when you combine faith with bold action, things start to happen in your life and things start to happen in your universe that you never could have predicted. I would like to welcome Adam Creek to the Productivity Studio to uh, talk on the Productivity Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Well, it's great to be in studio. In studio, instead of doing these things over the interweb in person, it, it is it's we're so actually, much nicer. Yeah, we're actually filming filming it a, a widescreen version of this so that probably using some B-roll for my YouTube channel or something like that at some point. It's always good to have a, a, a Canadian Olympian. Mm. On, on, on the program it just raises my profile it's it's really it's responsible for me to do this it's a really responsible thing well, for me it's, to do. A, it's a good ethic uh, for you to uh <laughs> do for you to adhere to <laughs> so you're the author of among and, and i mean beyond the, your accolades uh through the olympics and wrong program and all the other stuff and speaking at tedx which we both spoke at a few years back uh, you are the author of The Responsibility Ethic, 12 Strategies Exceptional People Use to Do the Work and Make Success Happen. So when we first met, you were talking about failure. That's mm -hmm. what you talked about at, at TEDx. And I want to kind of shift, how does failure play into this book here? Because I would imagine there's some congruence, like there's some definite... Did that like exploration of failure lead you to doing this book or was it just an element that you kind of expanded upon or is it just kind of, was this a like a bit of a, of a shift overall? Well, there's 12 different ideas I explore within the responsibility ethic. The first one is failure. That's the first chapter. And I think it's great to start with failure. Uh, I know that we talk about failure a lot, uh, I think, when, you know, the, the philosophical the philosophical space to you know to to do anything significant you have to do things wrong and learn from it and you have to be okay with with failure because fear of failure can prevent you from doing two things one it can prevent you from getting started two it can prevent you from setting your goals uh, large enough so having a healthy relationship to failure is, is a very good thing in you know, in my TED talk, I do talk about seeking failure and using failure as uh, as a rallying cry uh, to uh, you know to stretch yourself and to get more of what you want out of your life. Um, in this, you know, in this book, the opening story is about our capsize in the Bermuda Triangle when we we're you know in our rowboat, and then it moves into uh, into this idea of of reflecting, learning, growing, uh, so that you can let go of the emotional baggage that often comes around failure. And so often we confuse our facts, uh, the facts of a situation with our feelings about a situation and our feelings will more often than not, you know, overpower uh, the, the facts and the, the feelings will, will overwhelm us. So the first step after you're dealing with a significant failure is to, is to process the emotions. And if you're still getting triggered, but when you think about a failure, that means you still have more emotional work that you have to do to process it. And so reflect is the first one, process the emotion. The second one is more fun, which is learn, which is intellectual, it's writing things down, 
figuring out what went wrong about the failure, analyzing it. And then the third one is less fun, but it's, um, it's very important, which is growth. You know, create new habits, change your habits, change the way that you live. And then if you emotionally process, intellectually process, create new habits, then you can let go of failure and continue living a better life. Let's circle back to the word responsibility yeah. because it's not, it's to me, I think I'm a word nerd. So I think mm -hmm. about the etymology of the word, like the idea of response. Yes. And then the, like, so most people, when they think about responsibility, I would imagine they think about like um, being, uh, you know, in charge of, or, you know, um, having maybe being willing to take agency over certain mm -hmm. things. Um, what do you think responsibility means and what, like what you've got the word ethic, so it's clearly tied to that, but wh where does, what role does responsibility play in, not just in work, but in, in, in life in general? Well, I like breaking it down in this way. We have the ability to choose our response to a given situation and it's really easy in our life to point the finger and say, oh, if only my parents would have done this for me, or oh, if I would have only had this job, or oh, if I would have only uh, taken this career path, or oh, if only someone would have told me this 10 years ago, I would have blah, 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 blah. And so often we, we take the finger and we point it at other people and, and blame other things for our, our problems. And really the power comes when we point the finger at ourselves and understand when you have to have some compassion for yourself as well and forgiveness for yourself and say, I have the ability to, uh, to act upon this, you know, these emotions that I generate in my body, these emotions that I generate in my spirit. And I can, uh, I can analyze them and act upon them and I can make better decisions and then I can, you know, apply them and you know, and I like the, the idea of ethic because the first idea that comes to my mind is, you know, a work ethic, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's how you do things. So the responsibility ethic is, you know, your ability to choose your response and, and, and how, and when I talk about ethic, how are you, uh, how are you harnessing that ability to choose your response? And that is, that's throughout the book. It's, uh, it's like a code. Like an ethic is almost like a code to mm -hmm. agree. Like this is like we hear code of ethics, right? Well, yeah. responsibility ethic would be that would be a code you would follow. It's it's interesting because um, we do hear a lot of, and I hear a lot of this when it comes to time. It's like, oh, I would, oh, it must be nice for you because you have all the time in the world. Like you, you have more freedom than I do, or oh, there's no way I could do this because I have to be at work at this time, or mm -hmm. I've got kids and all that stuff, and. I think that comes back to what you're talking about with responsibility. Like how you, I mean, you can't always change. Like we've heard this before. You can't change a situation, but you can change your response to it. Mm -hmm. And I think what does, so in the book you go over, you know, the, the 12 strategies I'm imagining, and I haven't had a chance to go through the book yet that these 12 strategies will help you give a better response to when those situations arise. Right. Yeah. It will give you, it will allow you to give you a better response to, to life's challenges and, you know, that inner, that inner desire and that inner, inner drive. Uh, it's the book's written for hungry people, people who want to achieve things, people who want to do more with their lives, uh, people who want to get a little bit more out of, um, out of their work, a little bit more out of their life. And so within the book, I talk, I talk about failure. I talk about goals, how goals can be toxic and how they, uh, uh, if you set them in properly, they can, they can really, um, you know, 
infect your life in, in a wrong way. I talk about sharing leadership, the importance of sharing leadership. I talk about uh, stress, effective uh, reactions to stress. I talk about professionalism and how to show up and grind and, and, under, and uh, enjoy uh, effort, I suppose. <laughs> talk about coaching and mentoring, uh, teamwork, uh, you know, resiliency, and uh, then I talk about this idea of providence, which is, you know, a little bit <clears throat> fluffier of a concept, but something I, I feel is, is very important. You know, go, let's go into that a bit, because I know I don't want to go over all the strategies per se, mm-hmm. but providence is one like as soon as I was going through the table of contents, I'm like, what do you mean by I mean, providence sounds like it's it, it, I don't think it's I think it's fluffy in a way because but it's not a, it, but it's still got this like quota, I guess, businessy kind of feel like a lot of people talk about like I have providence can you, because a lot of people don't even know what it is. You know, providence, <clears throat> providence harkens back to faith. And I first heard about uh, providence. There's an old, uh, old quote that's often attributed to, um, uh, oh, now I'm blanking on his name. It's an old German, uh, the German Shakespeare. This guy, you know, whatever you can Nietzsche? dream, not Nietzsche. Because um, <laughs> that would book. be weird. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. Never no. mind. <laughs> no, it's uh, oh, Goth. Oh, Goth. Goth, right. yeah. Frederick Goth, right. And so <clears throat> he says, whatever you can, uh, whatever you can dream or imagine, begin it now. Mm. A- and uh, boldness has, uh, has great power in it. And it was actually attributed to a, a Scottish um, mountain climber. He was the one who writ, wrote that in the start of, of his book. And so the idea of providence is that faith plus bold action equals results. And so whatever you need to do to engage a deep level of faith, and then you need to have that courage to take the leap, then results happen. And so I would think, you know, in the context of the productivityist and people interested in time management, you know, how are you going to generate, you know, ideal faith in, you know, in an outcome? You have to have an element of planning, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's not like, um, you know, I differentiate it from this idea of the secret. I remember the secret being a... Yeah, like a law of attraction kind of, of things. It, like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is that, oh, if I just, if I put out the right energy, then checks are going to come in the mail and things are going to happen. But that's, that's not completely true it'll only take you so far yes you have to put in you have to put in the effort right and you have to put in the action we i was watching last night my daughter and i were watching free we disney plus just showed up yeah we're recording this so literally like we're recording this on november 13th november 12th the vardy household was infected with disney plus like we, okay and the, we watched obviously like some of the stuff everybody else was watching but we watched some of the net geographic stuff and one mm-hmm. of the things i've been wanting to watch was free solo Okay. Yes. Which I, I have you seen that film? Have you? I have not seen. Free but you know. Solo. But you know of yeah. it. And mm-hmm. we were watching it, and it. First off, there's a lot of like, holy smokes, this guy's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't seen, I'll put a link to it in the show notes because it's well, well worth your time, even just learning about what it was. But the, 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 the climber, it wasn't just. The, the, he had the faith that he could do it because he's mm-hmm. done many, many free solo climbs. This was like El Capitan was one thing that no one had ever done that way. But mm-hmm. when you watch him get ready to do it, like the your, the idea of faith, he has evidence of it to a degree because and not not just like um, 
not science based or anything like that, but just like he's done it before, so he knows that the next it's almost like the next level. But it's a bold action he has to take. Like mm-hmm. no one's done this before. Everyone is like terrified. But as he's doing it, he's got this notebook and he's saying, "There's a part where he reads in his journal like every step that needs like." You know, he gets a toe hold here, thumb in here, half thumb, trust, like all this stuff. And you're like, so as he's climbing this thing, he's not just trying to shoot up it. He would die. Like mm-hmm. anyone would die. But he would certainly, like even the best guy would, 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 he would die. Um, because, and he said, if you're, <laughs> one of his quotes was, if you are ever wanting to pursue perfection, the best, the, the closest you can get is free solo climbing because one yeah. mistake. You're dead. You're dead. So he had so he had to map this. Like the planning part was mm-hmm. so huge because it's not like he could just go and do it. Like he had to know, he had to have the ability to understand what he was getting into every step of the way, and the result, the the outcome. And he actually, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but it there's a the whole, there's a reason there's a whole movie. Like it, yeah. it's not like he just did it and that was it. There's a whole story behind it. So fascinating stuff. Well, and this is the magic of providence though, that when you combine faith with bold action, things start to happen in your life and things start to happen in your universe that you never could have predicted right. that show up to help you out. And the universe in my belief, has a way of, of helping you out and rewarding you when you do commit to something. And when you commit to something with faith and you're willing to take that bold action. And this is the idea of providence. And there's there's a great story in, in the final chapter where I'm, I'm driving down Highway 101. I'm at mm-hmm. Stanford University. I'm training on Redwood Creek. And I'm, I have this old beat up diesel, uh, 1984 Jetta. I'm driving. <clears throat> and you know, when you drive on the highway, you get into a bit of a meditative state. Sure. And so I'd, I, I was meditating about two, two years in the future. I was having kind of a projecting vision of, of what it would be like to stand on the podium of the Olympics, to be there with, you know, with my teammates, what it would feel like. And I got this tingly, feeling in my, you know, in my spine. Goosebumps. All yeah, stuff. goosebumps down the spine. And I was, I was literally seeing it. You know, I, I was creating something in my prefrontal cortex. I was seeing the future and I was having faith that it was going to happen. And then I get to the water and I put in, you know, a, a four hour training session on the water and I get a, a, a massive workout in. So there's, there's belief and there's faith. And then you put in the work. That's just and, it. And putting those two together, things start clicking into place for you. Well, yeah, it's like John Maxwell said, talent is never enough. Like you can't yeah. just hope. And I've run across this speaking because mm-hmm. is I've, I've taken improv. Like I've got a background in improv and stand up. And there's been points and I'm working really hard to get past this that you can that that training can become a crutch. You can go, well, I don't need to prepare nearly as much because I've done this before or I've, 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 I'll wing it, which is like one of the worst things that you no. could possibly do. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and that works. It's kind of like cramming for an exam, right? Like mm-hmm. it works until it doesn't. Yes. And then when it doesn't, you're like, you have a choice. Like you could say, and some people will say, oh, well, this is just a one-off. Like, oh, well, whatever. Or you can say, this is a signal. Like this is telling me that I'm not putting in enough effort. Effort. Well, and this, the whole speaking thing is fascinating because I've been, I've been doing that for 
since 2008, 11 years. And I'm, I was just reflecting upon this the other day because it only takes me an hour or two now to prepare for a speech. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I first started doing this, it was probably a hundred hours for an hour of a speech. Sure. Sitting there, making the slides, writing things out, mapping it out, figuring out how I could put words together on stage for, for an hour a night or 90 minutes and keep people engaged and keep them following along with you. And, uh, it is, it is amazing. And, you know, and you have to put in the work yep. and once you put in the work, you have, you know, you have something in the bank, but that never uh, precludes you from having to put in some work beforehand. You always have to freshen up. It like it reminds me of the story I heard from, uh, um, I think, what's his name? He's the Frederick Ghost. No, I, no. <laughs> no, I think he's he's the the British guy. He had a a, a, um, a TED talk Ken on Robinson. education. Ken Robinson, and he tells the story of oh, <clears throat> I was watching my friend play piano. Have you heard this one? I have. Okay, but no, it, no, I'll but tell my audience might not have. Made a, uh, I was watching my friend play piano, and I said, "Oh, I wish I could play piano like you." And his friend looks at him and says, uh, "No, no, you don't." He's like, "What do you mean?" It's like, well, no, you don't, because you're enjoying watching me play piano right now, but I don't think you'd enjoy practicing five hours a day. And let me tell you what, if I'm, if, if I don't practice for a day, um, I notice. If I don't practice for a few days, people who know me notice. If I don't practice for a week, people who are just standing there, they start to notice. I have to be on my game and stay on top of it, otherwise you know, my skill is off. So it's something that you have to do on a regular basis, especially when we're talking about, you know, public speaking, something that's performance-based, something that you're getting up and you're in front of people on a regular basis. But I'd think about this for any, any skill that we're doing for life mm -hmm. or work. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. 
We're going to take a break from the conversation right now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about deciding where to spend your time and how to make those decisions, what Adam recommends, as well as how he recommends you practice patience when you're doing something that you know has a definitive end, like his competition career did. But I want to talk to you about something that really never has to come to an end, and that's the amount of uses you can find with our sponsor for today's episode, Text Expander. You can save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. I've been using Text Expander for years, and what it's allowed me to do, and it can do the same for you, is to make snippets for those things that you type repetitively and the things that you pretty much use everywhere, you know, like word processors, uh, email and messaging apps, and online forms. For the show notes, I have a template that I type in, so I immediately know how to automatically generate the template for the show notes. Uh, I have uh, now started to use it for the different videos that I'm doing on my YouTube channel, which is over at timecrafting.tv. There are also free training webinars for Text Expander, which I strongly encourage you to check out. Uh, Power user tips from David Sparks. He's got one coming up this month in February, if you're listening to this. And then a support team and productivity co-webinar with Help Scout in March. So you've got two webinars that you can just learn how to make the most out of Text Expander with. All you need to do to get Text Expander for 20% off your first year is go to textexpander.com slash podcast and then go and check out Productivityist there. So when you get to that page, say you heard about Text Expander from the Productivityist podcast, that's a big help. So again, textexpander.com slash podcast, you get 20% off of your first year and then you'll keep using it like I did. And, and you never have to see your a text expander career come to a close because you'll find it's an indispensable tool in your productivity toolkit. I encourage you to check out textexpander.com slash podcast today. Now I'd like to share with you my productivity is podcast pick of the week. And I just mentioned David Sparks when it comes to text expander, but David Sparks has been hosting podcasts for a long time. Mac Power Users is one of them, but so is Focused. Focused is a show that's hosted by David Sparks and Mike Schmitz, and they talk about the best ways for to get focused. They talk through their successes and failures along the way. And let's face it, like when it comes to productivity, we aren't always productive for every hour, every minute of the day. In fact, about an hour ago, I spent 47 minutes making my first ever rubber band ball. I posted it on Facebook. People said, is that a productive use of your time? I said, no, not really, but it was fun. And so what these guys talk about are just different ways that you can get focused. Uh, you know, some of their subjects are habits are greater than goals. I've been on the program as well. They talk about morning routines. They talk about rest as being a weapon. There are so many great episodes that these guys get into. So I want you to check out Focused. It's on the Relay.fm network, and it's my productivity as podcast pick of the week. Now let's get back to my conversation with Adam Creek here on the Productivity as Podcast. Clear goals. Yes. something you talk about yeah. so what is like because we've heard of smart goals before <clears throat> yes that's a bit but what is a what's the what's a clear goal can you go into that a clear goal is the evolution of a smart goal so the the smart goal was invented in the late 70s early 80s because some manager or management consultant discovered that people weren't using their logical brain when they were setting goals and so they said, you know, they need to be specific, measurable, um, action oriented, action oriented, results oriented, results driven, so, results but, driven. I can't remember. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and time, no, time, time bound, time yeah. bound. Yes. And so the, um, if you have to try to remember what they are, that's a challenge. It is. <laughs> well, and it's about sitting down, taking the time, sure. going through the process. Yeah. 
But what I found, I was I was getting ready for this row across the ocean, and you know, rowing across the ocean is actually quite easy when it comes to the actual process. The hardest part was actually building a building the administrative capacity of an organization to support a row across an ocean, which and is the, not what you would think about. It's the not thing, what the you thing think that about. would get in people's way <clears throat> is rowing across the like I rowing across the ocean to me. I look at it from that big picture of it. That's hard. That's imp- nay, almost impossible. You're saying the actual rowing, a breeze, it's, it's the other part. Like, again, well, climbing, building, building cl- spreadsheets. Right. And- climbing the mountain <laughs> is is the easy part. No, Figuring out the path up the mountain is the hard part, right? Yeah. Figuring the path, making sure that you have finances and everything in place. And, and so going through that goal setting exercise, and I'd, I'd known smart goals, I'd taught smart goals for years to, to kids and to school kids, there, there was something missing. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it, your smart goals harness the EQ or no, the IQ. The, yeah, smart goals harness the IQ and clear goals integrates EQ into it. So there's some emotional intelligence. In emotional that. intelligence. So the first one is C, mm-hmm. uh, collaborative. Are you, mm-hmm. Who are you achieving your goal with? Um, L is limited. So it's, it's taking the smart goal and, and incorporating into it. So how will someone who's not, you know, that the goal is, is complete and you know, what are the geographical limits? What are the, the time limits, uh, involved in this goal limited CL E is emotional. So why do you actually want to achieve this goal? So really harnessing that emotional side of our being, um, a is appreciable. So can you take this goal and break it down into, um, you know, small little steps. And so it can grow over time. Um, and you, know, you can probably feel like you're, and you're making progress. Yeah. And you can feel like you're making progress. Which is huge. Oh, which is very huge. You know, it's the small, you got to have small wins along yep. the way. And, uh, you know, you, you go through a process I call strategic momentum in the appreciable phase where you, you, you take a four year goal and then you figure out where will I be year one, year two, year three, year four. Then you take your, um, one year goal and say, where all, where will I be quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four, take your next quarter. Where will I be month one, month two, month three, next month, where will I be week one, week two, week three, week four, the next month, where will I be? Or next week, where will I be? Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And then at the end of the process, you're actually doing something that day to move you towards that four-year goal. And then the final one is refinable. So one of the issues with goal setting is that three months, four months, six months down the road, new I, yeah, new information can come into play that will change the uh, the activation of your goal or even the realization of your goal. So it's building in uh, a, a form of strategic planning and a form of, uh, of flexibility into the goal attainment process because we know that life changes, in, thing, things change. We make the best plans and the plans have to change. So one, it, it's... It's, it's recognizing that and giving yourself permission to change the goals. And the second part is to build out the best case, most likely case, and worst case scenario. And so when we go through the, the refinability piece, this is interesting too. You'll, you'll tend, people tend to not dream big enough or think big enough in their goals mm-hmm. because it's, they have a fear of failure. And, and when, I, when I'm running through like, with executives or senior executive teams going through the clear process and we're saying, okay, um, best case, most likely case, worst case. People can think of the worst case really easy. 
And then usually the best case and the most likely case are really close together. Right. There's not much difference. And you're saying, you, you're not thinking big enough. Tell me if like everything really, 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 really went right. Right. And so let's, let's stretch that gap between what you think is going to happen and what could possibly go, go right for a change. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, we talked about providence and there's, there's an element of providence that becomes enact when you, enacted when, when you can imagine things going really, really right because your brain can start wrapping your head around, oh, if things really go well, yeah, okay, this, this could happen. And so then something happens in the subconscious. It, and Yeah, it's, it's like, I'll, I'll give it an example, maybe on a personal note. And I think that this, the clear goal setting actually really lends itself nicely to my monthly theming where it's like, okay, what, you know, who do I need to work with on like what collaborative elements need to be involved? Like obviously it's limited because I'm using like 30 days, anywhere from 28 to 31 days, you know, all, uh, you know, the emotional component of it, because when you're having family and stuff like that, there's all these things that can kind of appreciable, bringing mm -hmm. it down, you know, making mm -hmm. it. And then the refinable, because in some instances, yeah, like, uh, you know, this month is my, you know, I, I've got this one plan in mind. Uh, I have to be able to refine it because it's not necessarily what I initially put in place when I plan my year in September, things have yeah. altered. Right. But to use the whole best case, most likely worst case scenario, let's say in October, my month was to focus on YouTube, like to build better videos. So if I was to look at the best case, and this is probably an easy one because the worst case scenario is that no one watches it. Yeah. Or actually worst case scenario is it doesn't get done. Yeah. You don't make any, don't make any video. That's actually the worst. <laughs> most likely is it goes up and I get a moderate amount of views. Mm -hmm. But the best case scenario is that I hit like Casey Neistat, Matt Devella, Matt Diavella, which is again, like, you're right. Me, as soon as I say that, I'm like, that's not going to happen. Like your yeah, brain immediately, like, it's like, it's, uh, uh, like, you know, you watch like a video by those guys and you're like, oh man, they're so good. They're so good. Mm -hmm. But often we, and I think like biases are such a huge part of mm -hmm. every, like, productivity time uh, you, you know um performance mm -hmm. like we we get in our own way and it's yes. those it's those by like there's an actual app i talked about this when i did a talk about biases like oh there's no way i could you know dedicate an entire day to this particular theme yeah. and then i i actually do like well when do you do laundry oh i do it on saturday well, when do you do your household shopping saturday when do you like clean up your house saturday i'm like so saturday's like a household day yeah so would you say that you do all your house yeah so it's a household day. and they're like oh i'm like yeah you already are theming a day. We already mm -hmm. do this to a certain degree. We just have these biases that don't let us, you know, think that way. And there's an app called Pocket Biases. Okay. And you can go. It's like pocketbiases.io, I think. And there are thousands of cognitive, like just biases in general, but cognitive biases, tons of them that are impacting how we, like how we do things like set clear goals. Yeah. Uh, you know, imagine the best case scenario in a situation, you know, where it's like, there's no way that Matt I can get a video view count like Matt Diavella can. And I'm like, is that is that really true? Like it's it's not impossible. The only way it's impossible is if I don't publish a video. Yes. Right? Well, you don't publish, you don't do it regularly, you don't follow the the same principles that he followed. If right. you if you're trying to be Matt Diavello instead of trying to be Mike Vardy, then yep. guess what? People are there's already a Matt Diavella. Well, and, and I think, and I think, and I think the other thing too is integrity plays a role. Mm -hmm. Like the like what you just said, if there are certain things that I will not use, and we'll go, we'll keep the YouTube example. I will not title certain videos like certain ways to get like 
I won't try to be, I'll be, I will be clickbaity enough or plenty, but I won't be like the, like I, I watched a video by him about like, it was almost like seeming his time. And I, my brain went to be like, why Matt Diavella is wrong about time management. I'm like, but he's not. But I can tell you that if I put that in there, you get more clicks. Right. So I think, where does that play a role? Because, I mean, we're talking, eth- like, if we, as we talk about rabbit, ethics. But so where does that, because that may not necessarily seem mm-hmm. unethical, right? In a business perspective, depending, because there is it some. It depends. It Well, values, values right. will inform your ethics. That, right. That's my next book will be on values. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but being clear on what you truly value and, and. And values are the foundation of, of time management and productivity. Because if, if you truly understand what your values are, mm-hmm. um, you know, for example, one thing that I truly value is, uh, you know, is being generous and leaving an impact. So if I put a filter through everything I do, and I f- if I feel like I'm being generous and I am leaving an impact, I know that that state of being and feeling those feelings, feeling like I'm leaving an impact, feeling like I'm being generous, it's it's the way I want to live my life and it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, if, if I told, you know, I, I don't know that I, but I put a video up there, but if I'd say, what's this guy's name again? Matt, Matt Diavella. Diavella. There'll be a link in the show notes. Yeah, Matt makes, like, by the way, Matt, you make great, if Matt's great listening videos. and I, we have friends, you have great videos, <laughs> love your stuff, always have. Yeah, he, but, he directed the documentary <clears throat> Minimalism. Okay. So if you've seen that movie, I don't know if you have, it's on no, Netflix. I haven't. Yeah. That's really good. He's, he's a great filmmaker. Yeah, anyway. So if so if we're talking about you know generosity and impact, if I feel like I could be super, I don't think it would be a generous thing to do to to slander Matt Diavella unless I had a relationship with him where we said, hey, look, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna let's create some conflict on the interweb and and see if it because it will create more attraction for both of us. Go, okay, yeah, yeah, let's play around with that. And so I know that it would be helping Matt, it would be helping me, and then more people would be clicking. They'd be coming into our our universe. We'd be creating an impact. Well, that that's a filter I could go through. But if thoughtful. I was pr- and it's thoughtful, that's see, that's I think what happens too is people aren't like another. And I mean to cut you off there, yeah. but another side example is Matt did a video called "The Art of Saying No." And it was during the whole tree, Mr. Beast was doing this tree campaign about planting a bunch of trees and they wanted to plant a t- It's a big YouTube okay. campaign about, and again, this is another great example of why we should do things because you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. But our bias is say, oh, surely you know what I'm talking about. Like the whole yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk, my daughter and TikTok thing earlier where yeah. we're like, I know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, you do, but I can't assume that because, mm-hmm. but because it's in my own little bubble, I, 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 you know, and we kind of inhabit that bubble to a degree. I'm like, oh, you know who he is. But anyway, Matt's video is called The Art of Saying No. And what he did was he incorporated, this is where if you're thoughtful, you can get creative about it. He said, I was asked to do something for planting trees and I had to say no. And he went through the art of saying no. He goes, so I'm not going to tell you to go to Blah, 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 blah. Like, so he, (laughs) which I'm like, brilliant. Like that's, that's where I think like ingenuity, like you can still have your values, right? And you can still be responsible and control your response and be ethical about how you do it. But you can do it in a way that's also helpful. Right. And kind. Right. Yeah. And coming from the right place. And I think that's, and again, it's being true to yourself and understanding what, what you truly value. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, and, I, I want to talk about mm, that saying no piece yeah. as we get close to wrapping up decisions. Decisions. So, so I have an appendix in there. On I know you decisions. do. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so decision fatigue is huge. 
Yeah. Um, Alan, Alvin Toffler, um, in his book, Future Shock, talks about overchoice, right? And okay. I've, I've, I've talked about this in talks about the idea of when you go to Costco to buy ketchup, you have oh, three choices. I just had, I just bought a new monitor. And right. I, was, I was going through it yesterday. I was like, I, I just want to get a good monitor. Right. I don't right. want to pick you're, through you're, a 50 of them. You're on Amazon. Yeah. They're serving you stuff. You're like, but you go to Costco to buy ketchup. You can do yeah. one of four things. You yeah. can buy the Big Tin. You can buy the three pack, you can buy the restaurant packs, or you don't buy ketchup. And that's if you like Heinz ketchup. If you don't like Heinz ketchup, that's the... Sorry. But, but legit... <laughs> <laughs> like, but that's but, the beauty but, of Costco. Right. Well, because what it does is that's why people, when they walk out of Costco, they're like, yeah, I spent 425 bucks and I only went in there to buy. Because they've eliminated decision fatigue so that you're not spending as much time looking at things and trying to figure out what to buy. So you're not getting analysis paralysis. You're getting, like, you're moving things through. They're, they're eliminating that... That. Yeah, they're making decisions easier that's fascinating it's 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 it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty that's it's, smart <laughs> now now you you in your you talk about the 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 decision uh the decision tool that you have here because mm -hmm. people often say well like when when i'm doing theming days like well how do i know what days to theme and i say well you always work backwards from your certainties like look at your days and figure out what like if you know that your kids are home on like i know my kids are home on monday or possibly home on mondays and fridays because of school days i'm not going to make friday or monday my podcast day mm -hmm. that would be stupid because at some point it's going to get uh there's going to be some kind of interruption or corruption to that day yeah. so wednesday have are our kids ever off school on a wednesday other than summer holidays or spring break no rarely so yeah. and if they are it's because they're probably sick right so in which case that's completely out of the ordinary so for me it makes sense every wednesday i do podcasting which means that i have interviews and all that stuff and make it work that way um so that's that's one way that I, and, and I, when I'm looking at this, I think that there's elements that your decision tool could be used to apply to like choosing daily themes and picking projects. So can you go over that a little bit? I know that, I mean, there's a lot more in this book that we can get to, but I oh, think yeah. that that's a huge tool, especially when it comes to making the right choice around where to spend your time and well, attention. That's big, yeah, well, that's that's big in productivity. And so the, this decision tool was, is designed for bigger decisions, big uh possibly life decisions and i was i was introduced to this tool initially when i was i had a, a scholarship opportunity to get my master's degree at stanford university at the petroleum engineering department you know build out some biodiesel infrastructure uh, so that was a great opportunity or i could train and compete at the 2008 olympics and so i was sitting there and thinking these are two fabulous opportunities and both would be really exciting for me and I was trying to figure out a way to to make the best decision and from a mindset of optimism because fear can often um, infiltrate our decisions and cause us to make lesser decisions and, and or worse worse choices <laughs> you're pointing at the, the green, green lantern, lantern stuff everywhere because the enemy of the green lantern is fear it's fear. Yeah. So yeah. it's okay. <laughs> That's yeah, why so, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So let's get rid of fear. So, so this decision tool is about getting rid of fear. Right. And it goes, goes all the way back to Aristotle and probably pre-Aristotle, but I think he's the first one to record it, which is doing a pros and cons list. So you pick two, uh, two things that you're choosing between. So mm -hmm. let's say the Olympics, I'm going to go to the Olympics or uh, master's degree at Stanford University. What are the pros and cons of each of those two choices? So you write pros and cons under the Olympic column, then you write pros and cons under the um, master's degree scholarship column. And so you're finding, um, you know, pros for the Olympics, you know, I could win an Olympic gold medal. You know, I've got a lot of good friends. Cons, you know, the outcome is uncertain. I could spend the next two years and, 
you know, I went to the Olympics in 04 and we, we had a You're doing it in public. You're doing it in public. You're being watched. You're being judged. And so there's, there's things that are negative, things that are positive. And then on the other side, you're saying, okay, pros and cons too of, of this master's degree. And then you look at it and you take all of the cons and you turn the cons into positives on the other side. So the fact that you're, okay, I'm, I'm doing my Olympic thing and I'm doing it in public and people will watch my successes or my failures. And I think that's a con because I don't want to be doing this in public as much. I'm going to put that over to the master's degree and that's a pro that now I'm doing this in, uh, in private and I've got some more privacy and that really matters to me. And that serves and values really come into to play here. The, mm-hmm. the things that you, you truly value out of, out of life and life's experiences and results. And so then you might have some duplicate statements because a con on one side might be a pro. So then you eliminate the duplicate statements. So then you have a list of pros, pro Olympics, pro master's degrees. And then you look at the two lists and you go through each point and you rank each point from one to 10. And you say, oh, this point, you know, you know, the, you know, the ability, you know, to train and go to the Olympics, I'm going to rate that out as a, as an eight and, I've got really good friends. I'm going to put that as a 10. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you know, because I can do it in private, I'll put that, uh, you know, at a, at a five, because that's what it, I, I feel like it ranks. And, and you 10 rank being the highest, right? 10 being the highest one being the lowest. And then you go to both sides and then you, then you add them up and you, uh, and then you look at the scores and if, uh, and the one with the highest score wins. And if the score is, is higher than, um, 10 points, then you really know that you're on, uh, on the right track. And really what this process does is it forces you to think through all contingencies. It forces you to be positive, to remove the fear bias and to make, uh, make the best choice, you know, with optimism as, as your fuel. It's a responsible and choice. It's you're a responsible making, choice. You're a responsible choice. Well, and we, we talked about providence mm-hmm. too, and making a choice in this way will actually enact more providence in your life because it will be, it will be partnered with faith and bold action. And so you'll, you'll actually have better results, uh, when you make choices out of optimism versus choices out of fear. It's, it's, it, you know, Tim Ferriss has that fear setting thing, which I think is mm-hmm. encapsulates some of that because he uses fear as a weapon. Mm-hmm. as opposed to a crutch, right? So, yeah. but what I like about this too is that you take those cons and you try to turn them into pros in the other, like you flip it a bit, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, and to your point, people listening to this right now will clearly, I mean, this takes time. It forces mm-hmm. you to take time and think about it and be thoughtful it's, about it. So yeah, like you said, this you're is not, a three, this is a two to three day process. Yeah. You're not so. going to do this in a, in a, in a, in a you know, you're not going to say, should I eat fat? Like, I mean, dinner, like how, is this how I'm going to eat dinner? Like you're not going to use no. this for something like that, but what you might use it for is, okay, should I become, I feel like, should I become vegetarian or should yeah. I become vegan? Like mm-hmm. versus eating meat, like what are the pros, what are the cons and figure it out, right? Like, so you yeah. could use it for things like that as well. Yeah. For things like that, new job, mm-hmm. um, relationships. Should I stay with this person, leave this person? Um, Schools that your kids might want to yes. go to. You could do this with your kids. Yep. And, and a big, big part of it is to write it down and to do, go through the process properly. You actually have a conversation with someone and talk through the points, uh, spend at least one or two sleep cycles so that your, your, um, sleep brain Ruminate, can, yeah. Yeah, can process through it and you can gain more, um, clarity on, on what path you want to take. 
And I know even I've done this as a, as a workshop and run people through this and they you know, give them 45 minutes to go through this process on a big decision they're making through their, um, you know, in their life. And the, the interesting comments that come afterwards is that, oh, this is, most of the people say, yeah, this is the decision I was leaning towards anyways, mm. but now I just have the confidence to jump in. Right. Right. And this is, you tend to have, you probably would have done that with the gold medal thing. Like, let's be honest. Probably. Like, like most people would go really like, yeah. I mean, yes, they're both great opportunities, but not, I mean, representing your country on the, on the Olympic stage is, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we hear this in sports a lot, like the best players in sport are even the best of the best sometimes don't make it because there's just, it's just such a small piece, but I would imagine some people go, well, why were you even putting it through that? But to be, if you're mindful about that and thoughtful and responsible about it, then you're going to, then, then you're fully committed. Right. I think mm -hmm. that's instead of making just a, Oh man, I, I can win. A, I can commit, commit, uh, compete for the gold medal. Absolutely. I'm in. And, and then all of a sudden those things that creep in that you didn't expect. Well, doubt you, you want to eliminate yeah. as much doubt as possible. Right. And try to keep as, optimistic a mindset as possible because it's because anything that you choose to do that's difficult um will have doubt it's it's inevitable you will we talked about failure at the start mm -hmm. you will have failure you will have doubt you will have you, you will question your path and what you're trying to 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 accomplish so if you can address those before the journey begins then you'll have less holding you back and you'll be able to be in flow more often and enjoy the journey more and get a better result at the end. See, normally this would be where I'd end the show, but I have one more question for you that okay. pertains, I think, to, and we'll wrap up after this okay. question. Um, the, the lifespan, when I say lifespan, the career span of an athlete is limited. Talk mm -hmm. about limited goals. Um, you probably, that probably played a role in your decision to compete on the Olympic yeah. stage, for sure. Um, but knowing that there's, there's a finite amount of time because this is, and this relates like where you can compete at such a high level, mm -hmm. knowing that you, when you're starting out, you may not be at that high level. So you have to work to get there. And this is coming back to what I'm, you know, when, when I watched that documentary for your soul, like this guy worked and worked and worked, he was incredibly fit, but he, but again, the, the ability to be able to do certain things at certain ages, you're just not going to be able to do it anymore. Like mm -hmm. the body, you know, the mind and the body have a connection, but that starts to dissipate a bit over time. Um, for people who are listening that may have kids or that are athletes that are like, I got to do this now. I got to do this. I got to, you know, um, they either push themselves really hard, maybe without having some, like the measure of patience versus performance, I think is what mm -hmm. I want to get to here is, is knowing that there's a scope. How, how do you respond and how do you practice like patience in conjunction with the idea that there is a limit as to like, you know, there's a shelf life. Like how, mm -hmm. how did you balance that? Because I mean, you've been able to continue on and a lot of athletes don't have plans after mm -hmm. or it's, pur it's purported. Yeah. I mean, they, we probably hear more about the ones that don't, but there's probably way more that do. And we just don't hear about it. Um, but there's that window and knowing that the window will close. Mm -hmm. How, how do you balance, like, how do you, how do you have harmony with impatience and performance in, in, in that, in that area? Is, is that something that you think well, you can speak to? <clears throat> well, the, the Olympic cycle was interesting because it's a four year cycle. Right. Um, 
I was able to have an element of patience on the path because I was noticing a, you know, an uptick in performance and I was continually improving. So there was, that kept me motivated uh, along the way. When I was in high school, I had a great coach, uh, Walt Benko, who was my, he was my high school coach. And he said, you know, Adam, you've got this potential to go to the Olympics if you want, but I don't want you to work too hard right now. I want you to actually do other sports. I want, you could be a great high school athlete, but this isn't your time. Your, your peaking time will be in your mid to late twenties and you're 16 right now. So Let's back off, you know, play your other sport, play football, play basketball. <clears throat> and if you really want to do this rowing thing, you know, in your 20s, when you're in university, you can really start uh, hardening on and you can um, you know, possibly move to the national team. And that's when you'll that's when you'll train. And then you'll have you'll have a decade that you can train really hard. It's pretty attuned. That guy's yes. pretty attuned. <laughs> well, he is, he's wise, wise, wise coach. And so that patience was was started by having a great coach off the start. And you talk about coaching in the book too. <laughs> yes, I do. Having a coach, so you know, nice. the importance of having a coach, the importance of having a mentor, and uh, the and then through the process, you know, there was an element of um, you know in my first Olympic cycle. I talk about it in you know in being the chapter five, being a pro. That you know, there's an element of self hate and and misery and uh um that you know in, that comes with impatience that I, when you're younger i think you just have to endure if you're an ambitious person and i think <clears throat> what i talk about in the book is that's okay it's okay to to endure that especially if you're if you are ambitious um understand that that's normal and um you be okay with it and just sit within it and endure it and know that, you know, as you mature and have more perspective, you'll be able to, um, to move through it. So there's, so I'd say it's, you know, to have patience often is partnered with perspective and understanding that there is a time frame and perspective only comes with maturity and time. Cause I'll, I'll, talk to another metaphor that I bring into this book which is rowing across the ocean and that's it's the it's so freaking ironic in that you I'm hopping in a rowboat and I'm willingly taking the slowest route possible across the ocean and now that I'm in the rowboat and I'm 10 days into an 80 100 day journey I want to get to the other side as fast as possible (laughs) and that's just I think there's an element of human nature that sure. is that when when you have a task and when you have an endpoint, and even I found that even within this book, writing a writing book, the yeah. book, there's there's a large element of like angst and anxiety because you visualize the endpoint and you want the endpoint to be there now because you can see it. Yet, you have to put in the work, and you have to you have to grind through the you know, the ups and downs of, of the labor. So the, you know, your patience is a great thing to, to shoot for, but if you not feeling patient, I would, I would just say that's 
that's okay and that's normal and that's possibly a very good thing because it shows that you're ambitious that you want something that you're hungry so use that energy wisely and and try to channel it into productive means clear goals clear goals making better decisions yes. following the 12 strategies exceptional people use to do the work and make success happen exactly which is in this book the responsibility ethic adam mm -hmm. this has been fantastic where can people pick up the book and where can people keep up with you and your work? Yeah, so they <clears throat> pick up the book on Amazon. I'm recording the Audible book um, next week. I'm not supposed to timestamp this. That's okay. Uh, so as I said Disney <coughs> Plus earlier, remember? Disney, yeah. Well, <laughs> so this is uh, the, Audible, the Audible book should be recorded by the time that this goes out there. Yeah. So there'll, there'll be an Audible book. There's, uh, you know, it's on Kindle, Kodo, Kodo, Kudu. Kobo? Kobo? Yeah, Kobo. Kobo. The Canadian thing. Even we it's, Canadians cannot pronounce it. Yeah, that's how that's, mm, how that's how that's how that's how that's how that's how much <laughs> it's widely you, spread. Go like yeah, just um it's on indigo. I, just look for the responsibility ethic, Adam Creek. Internet, Google. It's I, all there. It's all there. Go to the show notes. The show it's notes, like, everything will be in the show notes. Yeah, show notes. Go, just go to go to Mike's. Just website. look look at your phone right now yeah. and scroll up and see all those links there. Just touch you those. Click. Yeah. No, you don't care. The thing is, don't <laughs> click anymore. Someone mentioned. Click. Oh, you clicking touch it. so labor. Well, it's so well, no, because you're not really clicking unless you're on a desktop. If you're on a desktop, yes, or a laptop, you'll click. But if so you're on a phone, phone, well, it's like it's like the YouTube thing. Smash that like button. I'm like, no, don't wreck your phone. Just touch it. <laughs> press it. Press it gently. Mm, or, or just press Siri. Siri, uh, where can I buy Adam Creek's book, The Responsibility Ethic? hold your phone up to uh your phone and do that right now uh adam thanks for joining me today on the productivity podcast yeah thank you mike big thanks to adam creek for joining me on the program today you can pick up his book the responsibility ethic 12 strategies exceptional people use to do the work and make success happen where all books are sold but also we put links in the show notes which you can find at productivityist.com slash podcast 282 so be sure to check that out if you enjoyed this episode i'd appreciate a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this program. And if you don't want to miss a single episode, then subscribe to the show where you are listening to podcasts right now. There are over 280 episodes in the archives and plenty more to come. I've got some great guests lined up. Uh, Michael Hyatt is one of them. John Zaraski, who uh, co-wrote Make Time. Uh, Courtney Carver is coming up very soon. She's got a new book coming out. Uh, virtual bevy of beautiful guests coming up on the show. So I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast today, wherever you are listening to podcasts. That's it for this week. I'd like to thank our sponsors. And if you want to support the show, support our sponsors as well. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. See you later. <laughs>